Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. So we are continuing our series, Eyes Wide Shut, which is simply a series about an insight to the unseen spiritual realm. There is very much an unseen realm. Just like a tree, they say that you only see half a tree. Whenever you look at a tree, you're only seeing half a tree because half the tree is underground. And I would say the same is true. When you see activity in the world today, you're only seeing half of what's going on because the other half is unseen to the natural world. And I felt uh, really strongly a few weeks ago to uh, do a series on spiritual warfare, to talk about the devil, demons and spiritual activity, because for the most part, we haven't done that for a long period of time. And I realised if you don't understand that there is an enemy uh, to what we are trying to do, build and achieve, then God will get the blame for all the bad things that take place. In actual fact, And maybe you've been guilty of saying this yourself. Uh, Many people have the notion that if God is a God of love, why do bad things happen? Maybe you've heard that or maybe you've even said that. And I think this series goes some way to answering that question. God is indeed a God of love, but there is an enemy to the God in which we love and He is trying to kill, steal and destroy all that is good. And that is why we see so much debauchery today in this world. And so we have, uh, over the last four weeks, Uh, given an insight into the demonic realm, who the devil is. And that's what we looked in week one. Week one, we looked at who the devil was, his origin, the fact that he was a fallen angel. He went by the name of Lucifer. He was a bright morning star. He was the worship leader in heaven. He grew tired of worshipping God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to sit on God's throne. He wanted to be chief and commander of his own life. He rebelled against God. God kicked him out of heaven. He took one third of the angels with him that we know as demons today and he has sought to do on earth what he could not do in heaven. He tried to displace God in heaven. He couldn't do it. And now what he tries to do is displace God in our lives on earth. And so just as he tried to sit on the throne of God, he tries to get us to sit on the throne and that we would be King, Lord and Master of our own lives. And he does that through deception. He does it through his cunning schemes. And so that was all week one. Week two and three, we looked at two key strategies, two key schemes that the enemy does to kill, steal and destroy. He uses temptation and accusation. I did week two, temptation. Paul Benithan did week three on accusation. And again, all of these messages are online or on iTunes. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to these messages over and over again and get it into your spirit. Last week, we looked at recognising when you're under a spiritual attack. And I just want to say this. Thank you for all the positive feedback that we've had. And I really do trust that this teaching has not scared anyone, but it will prepare you. The whole purpose of this series was to prepare you, not scare you. We do not want to give glory to the enemy, but we do need to expose the enemy. And you can't expose something without talking about it. And so that's been the whole purpose and nature of this series. And so now we're up to week five and we're talking about the weapons of our warfare. What God has given us in order to stand our ground and overcome. And I want to get straight into it this morning and look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord. In other words, Paul has talked a lot already to the Ephesian church, but he finishes on this point. And what you've got to understand is what you finish on is what is most important. And so he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith Um, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is indeed the Word of God. A few thoughts around this text, then we're done. How does that sound? First thing is simply this. Number one, we are in a battle. Turn to the person next to you and say, we are in a battle. Turn to the other person on the other side and say, you're in the army now. which gives me the opportunity to say, you horrible little maggots, get in line. Just, just an army, just an army thing. Any, just get rid of that from the tape. Anyway, <laughs> I said maggots, didn't I? I did, cool, okay. Um, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We are in a battle. And that's why Paul says, on a couple of occasions here, that we've got to take our stand against the devil's schemes. He says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, we are going to have struggles. If you came to Christ and gave your life to Jesus on the notion that everything would be A-OK and you'll never have any more problems, you were sadly misled. You will have problems in this life. You will go through hardships. You will have struggles. Uh, He also says, when the day of evil comes in verse 13, not if the day of evil comes, when. It's amazing the people I've been speaking to during this uh, series, when they've been saying, man, this year has been a tough year for me. And uh, through this series, I realise it's not all natural. And that's the purpose of this series. We don't want to blame the devil for what is not his fault. We don't want to blame him and take away the responsibility for ourselves. But I want to tell you, not every thought you have is your thought. Not everything you feel like saying is, is, is your thought and feelings. There are some very real uh, attacks that come our way and we want to be open to them. Uh, Paul talks about putting on the armour of God to illustrate the point that we are in a very real battle. And the whole armour language is around Paul taking something of that day and speaking into it. And so Paul would have been very aware of the Roman domination at that time. Everywhere he went, he would have seen Roman soldiers. And so basically he was taking something that everyone could see, everyone was very acquainted with. And so he talked about armour, he talked about battle, and he equated those things with what people were looking at. Unfortunately for us today, we don't see Roman soldiers with swords and breast plates and all those things. So I'm going to bring a little bit of explanation to that later in our message. But what you've got to understand is if Paul was alive today, he might talk more about bulletproof vests. He might talk more about policemen than Roman soldiers, because that is more commonplace for us today. Paul was very relevant, as was Jesus, when presenting truth. 
And if you were trying to present truth to your friends that don't know Christ or are not acquainted with church language, don't use church language. Use natural language to bring biblical points. Because that's what Paul did here. Unfortunately, his language that he used to illustrate a point, we have to illustrate their illustrations to make a point today. Does that make sense? Has anyone seen a Roman soldier recently? That's my point. Anyway, so we are in a battle and uh, let's not kid ourselves. Christianity is not always rainbows and butterflies. Sorry to disappoint you. There are rainbow and butterfly moments. In actual fact, someone posted on Instagram, they have a picture of a rainbow and they said, I love rainbows. I couldn't help myself. I got in there and said, I love rainbows too, especially cats. Jordan saw it and said, hey, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> but I'm sorry, babe, Kath comes first. It's just, it's just the way it is, Jordan. Sorry, love you, but love my wife more. Anyway, um, we're in a battle, number one. Number two, the devil is stronger than you are. You've you got to catch this. The devil is stronger than you are. Let me explain. In verse 10, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. In other words, you can't fight the enemy in your own strength. You can't fight the enemy in your own intellect. You can't fight the enemy with your own wisdom. You can't fight the enemy with your own IQ. You're not strong enough. You're not wise enough. You're not intelligent enough. There's nothing about you in and of yourself that is able to stand up against the devil's schemes. And that's why Paul, as a platform to everything he's about to say, is be strong in the Lord. It's in His mighty power that you and I can overcome. Don't kid yourself. You cannot do this thing alone. Coming to church alone will not give you the strength you need. You need God at work in your life on a daily basis. In Acts chapter 19, this highlights my point. Absolutely. In Acts chapter 19, verse 13, it says, There were some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits and they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed because they'd seen other people do it. They'd seen Paul do it and they thought, that looks cool. I want to try that. I want to get me some of that. And so it says, in, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. In other words, there was no personal revelation. There was no personal ownership. There was no personal relationship with God. It was just this Jesus that Paul talked about. And they would invoke the name of Jesus based upon Paul's example and Paul's life. And it says, there are seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who was doing this. So this one man had seven sons and, and, and they were sons of a priest. And uh, it says, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You're going to get that response from the enemy if you are not filled with strength and power and the might of God Himself. Who are you? And it says, then the man, the man with the evil spirit jumped on them. One man jumped on seven. It says he jumped. I don't know what that looked like. One man jumping on seven men. I mean, that's just Amazing. Is anyone else has a weird mind when they start reading the Bible? Like seven men, just jumps on them. I don't know how big this guy was, but he jumps on them and he gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, before I get into the, the, it's sad, but it's just, it is sad. 
But like just one guy just has this supernatural strength to take on seven of the priest's sons. And they, they were, they, they, they and I, I think I get the impression that they were clothed and they left naked. I don't think they were naked first. I don't think they walked in naked. In other words, he beat them up, gave them such a whipping, he ripped their clothes off them and they went away bleeding. I mean, that's a, that's a serious humiliation right there. And that's how you and I are going to be treated if we try and fight the enemy in our own strength. We're going to go naked. We're going to come away bleeding. We're going to come away questioning. We're going to come away just wanting to give up and give in. The way to overcome the enemy is to stay close to God, to stay close to Jesus. Because you are not strong enough. I am not strong enough to overcome what God wants us to overcome in our own strength. So be strong in the Lord, in His mighty power. Amen? Excellent. You know, if I I wanted this... uh, iPad to stand up by itself on a moving and rocking pulpit, what would happen? What would happen? Would it fall over? No, it wouldn't. Look, standing, isn't it? Why is it standing? Because I'm holding it up. You will not fall when God is holding you up. Good point. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Just a little thought there. Um, number three, God won't do for you what He expects you to do for yourself. He's all powerful, but He does leave room for you to do what only you can do. And what He asks you to do is something that you can actually do. And so He says, put on the armour of God. Twice He mentions that. See, when our kids were younger, we used to have to dress them. In actual fact, we used to have to feed them. In actual fact, we used to have to clean up their mess that they would make. When they were young, we would have to clothe them. And as they got older, they learned to clothe themselves because I did not want me nor my wife to be worn out uh, doing for them what they could do for themselves. And so now all three of our kids can clothe themselves. In actual fact, our oldest, Jordan, who now has a part-time job, she can not only clothe herself, she can buy her own clothes, says the Lord. Listen to me today as pastor and father, buy your own clothes. It's the way it should be. It's a natural progression. I shouldn't be doing everything for my kids that they can now do for themselves. Is that fair to say? And all the parents said, come on, we we don't want to be doing, we don't want to be feeding our kids. We don't want to be paying for our kids. We don't want to be just clothing our kids for the rest of our lives. It's, It's not right. It means I've failed as a parent. And if I have to pray for you and if I have to do everything for you, I'm failing as a pastor. Paul says, put on, do it yourself. We have to do certain things in order to withstand the attack of the enemy. He says, you put on the armour. I can't put on the armour for you. Can you imagine if I had to run around every one of your homes and say, knock on the door and say, hey, help me, I'll help you get dressed this morning. <laughs> one, it'd be weird. <laughs> Helping Dan Jack get his jocks on. I mean, it'd just be weird. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw you there, man. She'd never sit in the second row. She should never do that. Just be weird. And I think it's as weird expecting the pastor to pray for you and the pastor to do this for you and the pastor to do that for you. That, that is not pastoring. That's, ba- that's, that's baby stuff. Paul says, you stand. I can't stand for you. You pray. I can't pray for you. I mean, I can pray for you, but I can't pray for you. Does that make sense? I can pray for you, but only you can pray for you. 
Only you can do the prayers that you can pray. It says, you take up the shield of faith. You take up the helmet of salvation. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I believe this is the power of the local church and the early church. I, I, I really believe this, this is a key phrase to the incredible exponential growth that the early church had. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Those three words, I believe, are significantly important to the success and the power of the early church. That the early church did not wait for Peter, Paul or Mary (laughs) to do the praying for them. They took responsibility. They devoted themselves. If we don't have communion often enough for you, then have more communion at home. Do it yourselves. If if our worship time is not long enough, then then worship more at home on your own time. They devoted themselves. You can have as much theology as you go after. You can have as much worship as you go after. You can have as much prayer as you need if you go after it. But you can't put it onto the church to do what you want for you. They devoted themselves. And as a result, we see the church grew every day because they took responsibility for what only they could do for themselves. Repeat after me. They devoted themselves. Awesome. Number four, God wants us to stand and not fall. The whole premise of this series is that we might stand and not fall. Stand against what? Stand against the devil's schemes. See, this whole teaching is about us not falling into the hands of the enemy through temptation. So having done everything else, stand. Temptation is coming your way. And I'm trusting and praying that through every word that is shared from this platform, it'll give us the wisdom, the insight, the understanding, the examples, not to give way and not to fall to temptation, but to stand your ground. And when you've done everything else, when you've been to church and when you've prayed and when you've fasted and when you've given of your offerings, when you've done everything you know you should do, you've still got to stand because those things alone don't mean that you will not be attacked. And too many people do everything they've been asked to do. Then they get attacked. They said, oh, I thought it wouldn't be. I'm doing everything God's asked me to do. Yeah, but now's your chance to stand. Having done everything, having gone to church, having prayed, having fasted, having given of your tithes and of your offerings, having given of your time and your service and your talents and your treasures, having done all that, now just stand. This is what this is about. It's about us standing. It's about us ensuring that a year from now, we're still here. Two years from now, we're still here. Ten years from now, we're still here. We celebrated our 20th anniversary in February. And uh, I want want you to know, one of the main reasons we are still here is because we knew what it was to stand in the midst of demonic attack and accusation and temptation. Because there was lots of times we did everything God's asked us to do and all hell broke loose. I want to tell you, sometimes you do everything God wants you to do and all hell will still break loose. In those moments, stand. Do not give in. Do not give up. Do not give way to temptation. The temptation in those moments is this. Man, I was better off in the world. But that's the moment you've got to stand and not fall to the temptation just to give up. I know some of you, and I look around, I can see some faces right now of people who are going through their personal hell. I get it. And my word to you is this. Keep coming to church. Keep giving. When that bucket goes past, put your tithe in. 
I would say pray, I would say fast, I would say read your Bible, do everything you've been asked to do. And having done that, just stand. Just stand. Some things, you know, there aren't answers to. I don't know why. It's fantastic to have Dave Appleby at the back there today. He had the same operation on the same day. His recovery has been different than mine. But he's here today. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. It's not about comparing one to another. It's about whatever we face, let's stand. I promise you this, if my recovery wasn't as good or as quick as it has been, I would still be here doing what I'm doing. Because the results are not dependent on on, uh, my faith. This is my opportunity to extend and and, and, uh, model faith. Amen? Awesome. So God wants us to stand. And number five, it is this, to put on the full armour of God. I'm going to get through all the pieces just very quickly now. Put on the full armour of God. Can I just say this? It's the full armour. Everyone say full armour. Didn't say put on your favourite pieces. We've got too many people that just love praying, but they don't like the Word. We've got too many people that uh, love the Word, but they don't like church. You've got to put on the full armour. If you want to be fully protected, you've got to put on the full armour. Everyone say full. You've got to put on the full armour. Paul highlights six pieces of the armoury of the Roman soldiers. And we're going to go through them very quickly right now. The first one is simply this, the belt of truth. He says, buckle yourself up with the belt of truth. The belt was what held all the other armour together. Um, It's what holds up our pants. I've got a belt on today. Many of you would have a belt on. And the purpose of the belt is to hold up our pants because if our pants fell down, we'd be exposed and embarrassed. Some of you might enjoy, I don't know, but you'd be sick. But anyway, and Paul likens this belt to a belt of truth. And the reason he says that is because the devil is a liar. How do you know when the devil's lying? When he's talking. When he's talking, he's lying. He's a liar. John chapter 4 says, or John chapter 8 verse 44, I think it is, says he's the father of lies. He just lies all the time. And this is what you need to understand about a lie. There are some lies that are just untrue. And there are some lies that are a truth, but not necessarily the truth. And when things that are untrue, they're easier to discern. But often the devil will lie to us with a truth, but not necessarily the truth. And that's why Jesus said, it's the truth that will set you free, not a truth. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Speak the truth in love to one another, that we might be built up in maturity. The trouble is many people speak a truth. They speak what is true for them. But your truth and what is true for you, and often those truths are based on feelings, are not what's going to keep you free. We need to be under authority. We need to delve into the Word of God. We cannot afford to be led by our feelings. We need to buckle ourselves up with a belt of truth so that we can be free and stay free. Otherwise, we're just going to get taken out. We can't build our life on a lie. We can't build our life on a lie. And we can't build our life on a half-truth. There are many things that are true for me. Ben, I might say something to me, it may hurt my feelings. And that's true, I'm hurt. That's true. But it's not the truth. And if I focus on that truth, it's going to rob me of the truth. See, if someone hurts me, 
Here's the reality. God is still in control. God was hurt long before I was even formed in my mother's womb. And it's what we focus on in those moments. What truth are we going to focus on? And so many people, they hear both sides of the story, but often both sides of the story are not helpful. We need the truth. Because in the middle of their truth and my truth is the truth. And we need to be people who understand what the truth is. And if we can't get closure on an issue, let's stick to the truth. This is what I know. And one of the things that impacted me most as a young man growing up in a Christian home was my dad's words when he would say this. When he didn't have closure on a situation, when I could see the look in his eye and he wished the situation was different, he finished every conversation with this thought, ah, what's it matter in light of eternity? What does it matter? That's a greater truth than who's right, who's wrong, how she feels, how I feel, how they feel, how that person makes me feel. They're all truths. But if you want answer to those truths, you're just going to be forever dissatisfied. But let's buckle ourselves with the truth. This is what I know. In light of eternity, what's it matter? Ah, this is what I know. I don't get what's going on in my world right now, but I know this to be true. God is in control. That's a greater truth. That's the truth. Everything else is just my truth, a truth. But when we hold on to the truth, and that's what Paul's talking about, we've got to buckle ourselves with that truth. Otherwise, we're going to get rid of the belt, our pants are going to fall down, and we're going to be exposed. And the church is not much smarter than the world when it comes to this stuff. We pick sides, and what did he say? And what's his story? And what her story? I can't believe it. And even if you hear both sides, most of the time it's not going to help. Let's just get on with building the church according to his truth. Amen. Jesus modeled this better than anybody when he hung up on the cross. You who say you're the Son of God, why don't you come down? He never answered the questions. He just stuck to the truth. He says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a greater truth. They don't know what they're doing. That's a greater truth. That's the truth. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus said, don't pick it on me. I don't like it anymore. I've had enough angels come and rescue me. And that would have been true. But the truth is, they don't know what they're doing. That's the greater truth. As parents, when we see our kids, how many parents out there have had their kids say, you don't love me? And it often sounds like that. Same high pitch, just goes up. The pitch went, <laughs> Here's the greater truth. The greater truth is, I don't know what they're talking about. You imagine trying to argue with someone, I do love you, and I just want you to know I do love you, and I just, oh, I'm so sorry. You just be, just be there forever. And you just have to take the higher ground and, and say, you know what, the truth is, I don't know what they're on about. And if I stop and have a conversation with them, it's just going to get worse. Anyway, build a truth, put it on. Uh, secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your heart and other vital organs. The devil wants our heart because that's the very thing we gave to God. It's our heart that we gave to God and it's our heart that the devil wants to attack. And the way he does that in the form of accusation. And the area that's going to probably accuse us as much as any is in and around the area of our righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is our right standing with God. Because of Jesus, we have right standing with God. I had no right to stand before God outside of Jesus. Because I've received Jesus in my life, I have the right to be able to go to the Father based upon what Jesus Christ did for me. That's my right. That's my God-given right because of my surrendered life to Christ. The devil knows that to be true. 
What he wants to do is cause confusion about that right. And so he'll bring accusations and say, if you as a Christian, you wouldn't do that. How many have ever felt that? How many have ever beaten yourself up that you did something, said something? And say, if I was a Christian, I wouldn't have done that. I'm not a very good Christian. And this says, you're right. And he gets on that and he starts feeding it. And here's a classic one. Call yourself a Christian. Or maybe you've had this said to you. Who do you think you are? Jesus had that accused all the time. People said to Jesus, who do you think you are? And at that moment, we have to, we have to, we have to stand on our right as sons and daughters of living God. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a son of the living God. Been saved, washed and justified by the blood of Jesus. So I kicked the cat. <laughs> Happens occasionally. I don't have cats. All the cat lovers out there, just chill. I've never heard a cat in my life. Just one or two on many occasions anyway, but I didn't. <laughs> but, but understand, our righteousness will come under attack. Go back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What, what was the first thing that said? did God really say? And so he's going to attack our righteousness. We need to put on our breastplate and be wiser and stand our ground. And if you don't feel like a son of God, if you feel like you've let him down, that's fine. It doesn't change who you are. Our kids have let us down as parents on numerous occasions, but they never ceased being our kids. We might let ourselves down. We may let God down in the sense of who he is and his name, but we don't cease to be sons and daughters at that moment. And when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're guarding who we are in Christ. Thirdly, the sandals of peace. Obviously, this is to protect your feet. And sandals served a dual purpose. Firstly, to stand. See, these sandals had um, hobnails on the bottom of their sole of their uh, sandals. They acted like studs. Uh, many of you who played sports, soccer, football, whatever, uh, or, or baseball with cleats. It was to give you purchase. It was to give you stability so that you have confidence. I, I know for me, I grew up playing soccer, and, and if the ground was slippery, you lost all confidence to apply a tackle. You just, you just, you just didn't have the same confidence as you did when you had st- uh, solid ground. And so if you had a, a pair of shoes that were just slippery, it just, it just messed up your game. But, but these, these studs, they, they gave you the confidence to be able to get the right purchase and the right grip and the right ground to stand, to not give up, to not give in. And so we need to put on the sandals so that we can stand our ground, to have the confidence, to have the inner peace that we're not going to fall over, but we're going to stand our ground. And secondly, to keep walking. If you're going to walk over rough, rough ground with no shoes on, it's going to hurt your feet and you're only going to get so far. And pretty soon you're going to have to give up. But sandals protected the soles of your feet so that these soldiers could keep walking and they would walk and march for miles. And here's the thing about Christianity. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. We want you to keep walking. We want you to be walking next year and the year after and the year after and the year after and the year after. And And you're not going to do that without the sandals of peace. Also, Paul likens it to us bringing good news to people. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. We have this incredible opportunity to walk up to people, to walk into people's worlds, to walk into people's lives, to walk into people's situations and bring the gospel of peace. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to tell people about this peace that they can have with God if we've got the courage and the confidence to be able to walk up to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Number four, the shield of faith. This protects the whole body. Most um, studies would say that this shield was about four foot high by two foot wide. It was made out of wood covered with a, a leather on the front and on the sides it had interlockable uh, channels. And so it not only protected the individual, but they could lock together with those next to them and protect the whole army. Which I think is a great picture of the church. And it was to stop the flaming arrows. Again, this is an olden day method of warfare where people would use bows and arrows. Now we just have weapons of mass destructions. We don't do this anymore. We just go, it's different. But back in the day, they would have arrows. And when they would launch the arrows, just before they would launch the arrows, they would put them alight. And the purpose would be to try and obviously destroy the protection, destroy the um, shields, obviously to uh, make the um, army penetrable so they could get in there, kill, steal and destroy and uh, those flaming arrows aren't going to come your way in the real sense today. But probably the best example of a flaming arrow today would be people's words. Yeah. Yeah. Fiona was watching a film just yesterday, 12 Years a Slave, and she was saying to me she couldn't watch some of the whipping scenes. But she felt at that moment God speak to her. While we don't whip people literally today, we whip them with our words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I don't agree with that. I think words carry greater weight and greater hurt than any beating can ever do. You can get your arm broken, you can get your face pulverized, and you can get over that. But words, people live with forever. And we can't stop people saying things. But we can dis, uh, extinguish the power of those words with the shield of faith. See, this is not a saving faith Paul's talking about. This is a living, active faith. This is us applying the word of God and saying, I choose not to believe that. I choose to believe God over and above the words of those people, the words of those accusers, the words of those haters. Haters will hate. There'll always be haters in your world. But you don't have to take on the power of those words. You don't have to live under the bondage of those words. And when we choose not to, we're putting up a shield. I'm, I'm just not going to take it on board. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to explain myself. And we're just extinguishing the power of those words. And we can do that in Christ. They accuse Jesus. If they accuse Jesus, they're going to accuse us from time to time. Amen. And my last point as the band come, that'd be great, is simply this, the helmet of salvation. This protects your head, obviously. But in our head is our mind. And probably one of the greatest battlefields of the enemy is in the area of the mind. He wants to bring doubt. He wants to bring confusion into our world. And while we can't stop the negative thoughts coming, negative thoughts will come. I have negative thoughts. But we can stop the negative thoughts lodging in our mind. And I honestly believe that one of the greatest ways that we can overcome the confusion, the doubt, the fear, the unanswered questions is through spiritual disciplines such as prayer and praise. And without stealing any of Chris's thunder for tonight, I know he wants to talk specifically about praise. And maybe that will turn into a little bit of a praise party afterwards. I don't know, but you don't want to miss 
tonight. I believe tonight will be an incredible way to culminate this whole series as we look at the subject of praise. If you're feeling confused, if you have some unanswered questions, you know what? I'm trusting you get your answers. But in the meantime, I don't know what better way to wait than to pray, to praise God, to worship Him. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians, says, pray on all occasions. Pray in all manner of prayers. We've got to pray. We've got to, we've got to do the spiritual disciplines, church. We do. If we are to protect ourselves from the devil's schemes, we better equip ourselves on a daily basis with the full armour. It's not enough just to have a shield. It's not enough just to have a shield. Which brings me to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon mentioned. It's a killing machine. It's not enough just to sit back and wait and take it on board. Sometimes you've got to be proactive. I think the trouble with the church, sometimes we're nicer than Jesus. We just put up with everything and anything. You know, we've got a little dog and I love him. But honestly, if I didn't discipline him, if I, if I didn't take a proactive stance, he would just rule the house. And I didn't have a dog to rule the house. And so at times I had to stand up and, and, and uh, be a little bit more offensive with him in the form of a slipper. You know, I can pick up a slipper now and say, Oi! He cowers and runs. When we pick up the Word of God, the enemy will flee. We see that in Matthew chapter 4 when the devil was tempting Jesus in the desert three times and Jesus comes back with the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God and eventually the devil has to leave because he hates listening to the Word of God. We're gonna be men and women of prayer. We're gonna be men and women of praise. We're gonna be men and women of the Word of God. We've gotta be men and women of substance. We've gotta be men and women who are committed to the local church. We've gotta be men and women who are committed to financial giving. We're gonna be men and women who are willing to give of our time and our talents. Because that's what the devil wants to shut down. Amen. Let me just close with this thought. And this is a beautiful thing. And this is what I love about the Word of God. It makes a point, but there's always a bigger point. Not only is this practical for us on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's also a type of Christ. The armour of God is a type of Christ. When you talk about the armour of God, you're not just putting on armour, you're putting on Jesus. Because Jesus is the truth. That's what it says in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus said. Without the way, there is no knowing. Without the way, there is no going. That's what Jesus said. Remember that song? I am the way, the truth and... We used to sing those songs. Some of the young ones are like, thank God I'm saved today and not then. But Jesus is the truth. When we put on the belt of truth, we're putting on Jesus. He's our righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, verse 2. We pick up the shield of faith, we're putting on Jesus. He's our salvation. Luke 2, verse 10 to 11. He is the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In verse 14, it says, And He was the Word. What better way to come around the communion time and think about Jesus Christ as truth, salvation, our righteousness, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Word of God. He's all that and He's more. He is indeed El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He's our sufficient one. And yes, we've acknowledged the enemy over these last few weeks. 
And yes, we've talked about Him, but in no way have we glorified Him. I don't want to give the devil any glory whatsoever. I trust that through this five-week series, that He would be exposed and that we would see that Jesus is bigger and that Jesus is better. And every attack that comes our way, if we put on Christ, we can and will overcome. If we will put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth and hold the shield of faith and the sword of spirit in our hands and walk with the sandals of peace, we have to overcome. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but I'm telling you, if you will stand, having done all else, stand, then you will overcome. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 